Welcome in to another episode of A Cali Green Monster Show. I am your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you from the Tesla Studios here in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. It is Tuesday, March 16th, 2021, and I'm actually recording this guy a slightly little bit later in the morning than I would anticipate. You know, real life gets in the way, and there's other things that got to be done. So, you know, A Cali Green Monster, Dean Ryan, he's been up and going since 4.30, just trying to get everything in real life done so he can come here and record another episode. Episode, episode 49 of the greatest sports talk show and stuff talk show that's being recorded out of a Tesla. So today's show, it was all anticipated to just be strictly covering the West and Southern brackets of the March Madness Tournament. But as I have mentioned many times in the past, the sports world does not sleep. NFL free agency is underway. There's UFC news. So if you came here to just listen to March Madness talk, you need to hold on for just a few minutes because I have to cover a few things. So some big news in the NFL, big free agency news. You know, there's a lot of teams. There's a lot of players being uh, traded, you know, not traded, but changing teams. You know, Bud Dupree, I think he went to Tennessee. You know, there's a few other guys, but the team that I want to highlight and focus on is my favorite team. Might annoy some of you because, you know, I think that there's a lot of Tom Brady haters. And even though he's not in, in New England anymore, I think that the Tom Brady haters also dislike New England. So, all you New England haters, I'm sorry, strap up because Bill Belichick is trying to get back on the top of that mountain. They had a lot of cap space to be able to spend, and spend they are. I'm pretty stoked because, you know, they've I, they've got a lot of pieces that they you know that I really do like. There's a few signings that might be a little bit questionable, but I think at the end of the day, you know, it's nice when you see the team that you root for going out and doing things that I think are productive. Just on Friday's episode, if you go back a couple episodes, I was talking about how. Things are brewing in New England. They re-signed Cam Newton, and that, I figured that that was just the first domino, domino to fall in New England before they started signing a whole bunch of people. And you know, some of the people that I highlighted that they that they can target is you know the tight ends Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry because you know Bill Belichick in the past has had success with Gronk, and even you know if you look back a decade when they had Aaron Hernandez on the team as well, you know. With you know Belichick and McDaniel's, they know how to use two tight ends. So I thought that that would be a great for their scheme, and you know, great for Cam Newton to have tight ends and be able to open up the middle of the field. And that's exactly what they did. You know, yesterday it was reported that they signed Jonu Smith to a four-year, fifty million dollar deal with thirty-one point two five guaranteed. News today broke while I was actually at my day job working that it looks like Bill Belichick has also signed Hunter Henry. So they have gotten the two top tight ends on the free agent market. That's really exciting. That's to pair with Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, the two wide receivers that they signed as well. They got linebacker Matt Judon from the Baltimore Ravens, which was, I think, a good pickup as well. You know, you got defensive tackle Devon Godshaw from from the Miami Dolphins and you got safety Jalen Mills from the Philadelphia Eagles so man dude the the Patriots they're really going for it they did not like that shit taste in the mouth that they had of missing the playoffs and then watching Tom Brady go and win a Super Bowl Bill Belichick ain't having none of that so I think uh you know it's nice to see that 
they're gonna they're they're at least trying to get back in there and um you know i think that these are good moves you know the the signing of nelson aguilar it's two year 26 million so giving nelson aguilar 13 million dollars a year i thought that was a pretty steep price tag for this dude it just makes me wonder if the free agent market is just you know these dudes are asking for a lot of money because i figure if he's getting 13 million it just makes me wonder what like a will fuller or a kenny galladay is going to end up getting so you know maybe bill belichick he did this on purpose to just drive the free agent market up for everyone else because you know giving kendrick Bourne um three years 22.5 and yeah nelson agar like i said 13 million a year for two years you know those are you know those are premium prices for these wide receivers and you know we'll see how it works out you know i was discussing this with my brother on the way to recording this podcast and you know he was saying that you know that's kind of a steep price tag for these dudes where you could possibly replace them you know get replacements in the draft but i also pointed out that you know the patriots drafted Nikhil harry a couple years ago and i was a first round draft pick and personally i'd rather have kendrick Bourne or nelson aguilar over Nikhil harry so you know drafting isn't always indicative of you know it's not it's never guaranteed you know draft picks are unproven assets they could be good in college but until you're playing against real adults who are you know playing for a paycheck to try to feed their family you're not 100 percent gonna know i mean even look in philadelphia they got rid of nelson aguilar you know aguilar went to las vegas and they replaced him with jalen rager and you know jalen rager he was hurt for most of last season so you can't really make too much of a you know judgment on what kind of player he is or what he's going to be but you know if you had to tell me who we'd rather have last year Aguilar or Jalen Rager definitely would have Aguilar so you know I think that these moves are going to work out for the Patriots but only time will tell as a Patriots fan I'm giving them a thumbs up and I approve of those moves moving on into UFC talk real quick there was big news that came out yesterday that UFC 261, Dana White announced on his social media pages that it's going to be the first event that's going to be back in a with a full arena, no limits on the amount of people. It's going to be a packed house. It's going to be taking place in Jacksonville, Florida. This is going to happen on April 24th, so just next month, you know. Screw you, COVID. It looks like Dana White, you know, gave you the two big middle fingers and said, you know, life is going to go back to normal. COVID be damned. And, of course, it's, you know, if it was going to be in any place where they were going to do a packed house or a packed show, it was going to be Texas or Florida. And, yep, Jacksonville, Florida is going to fit the bill. You know, and, and the UFC, they're coming hard in the paint. You know, they're, they're bringing a stacked card, you know, for, you know, the first live audience in w- over a year, almost a year. So they got three title fights. You know, they're, they're, they're bringing it. So the three title fights that they've got and that they've announced so far, we've got the 170-pound welterweight title, the Kamaru Usman and Jorge Masvidal. That's their second fight. So I'm pretty pumped that they're doing this. All the talk leading up to this fight was that they were going to be coaches on the Ultimate Fighter and that their fight wouldn't take place until the summer, possibly in the fall. So I'm glad to see that these two, these guys are going to be fighting sooner rather than later. And yeah, just to keep the 170 pound division moving. You know, I was just talking about Leon Edwards last, uh, on last episode and about um, 
um, who he's going to end up playing. Uh, sorry, I was, I'm in the middle of recording this at my apartment this time, and the person next to me actually just hit the Tesla with her car door. So huh, trying to take dis- keep distractions away while recording your podcast, that was a kind of a hard one to ignore. So, yeah, moving on. So we got the 170-pound title fight, and then we also have the 125-pound women's title fight, Valentina Shevchenko against Jessica Andrade. So that one's going to be great, Valentina Shevchenko. She's the second-best women's fighter, I think, going around right now after Amanda Nunes. So... You know, she's the only person that I even think would even stand a chance against Amanda Nunes. So if you're looking for an impressive woman in the UFC or to, to watch like an impressive woman fight, Valentina Shevchenko fits the bill. And also the next fight as well, the women's straw weight. So that's 115 pounds. You have um, Chinese war Zhang Wei Li. So she's the first ever Chinese champion from China. She's the champion and she'll be defending her belt against Rose Namajunas. Rose Namajunas is one of the most popular women fighters at 115. She's a former 115 pound champion and she had, you know, when she knocked off Joanna Jojacek. So, you know, she's an impressive fighter. So I think this is an impressive slate to, you know, bring to Jacksonville and to bring to the, you know, to bring for a live audience. I'm definitely going to be ordering that pay-per-view, and I think it's something to look forward to for fight fans. And I think just for people in general that are ready to move on from COVID and try to get a sense of normalcy. And I appreciate Dana White that, you know, throughout this entire COVID-19, he's, you know, he said he'd even, you know, bring UFC to its own island if he had to. And the next thing you know, there's a there's an, a fight island in Abu Dhabi where they've been bringing cards, and they've been bringing cards from their UFC Apex Center. So, you know, Dana White... Uh, he's an you know he's an incredible businessman you know like he's the reason why UFC and Miss Martial Arts is is where they're at and I felt like he's done a really great job of navigating you know these COVID nine this COVID nineteen world and it'll be you know I think the rest of the world we're going to be looking to see how this event turns out because you know having you know packing fifteen thousand to eighteen thousand people in a closed arena. You know, during COVID-19, there's a lot of people that probably be saying that that's not the best idea. And, you know, until we do this, we're not going to be able to go back to normal. So, you know, thank you, Dana White. Thank you, UFC. And thank you to all the people that are going to go to this event for being guinea pigs for the rest of the world and seeing, uh, you know, how going back to as normal as we can get in the U.S., um, you know, how that looks here in 2021. All right. So... You know, it's March Madness time, and as I had promised, I'm going to start covering, you know, the bracket that's been filled out. Today, I'm going to cover the West region and the South region. Tomorrow, I'm going to cover the other two regions. And then on Thursday, I will go over my entire bracket, get, pick out who I think is going to win each region, who I think the Final Four is going to be, and who I think ultimately is going to win. So, you know, as I mentioned many times before i'm by no means an expert i feel like with this podcast i'm just a normal dude i'm just your buddy that can shoot the shit and give my takes on sports and you know i'm no dick vital or anyone that on espn that would be considered an expert i'm just a normal dude working through this just a normal person just like you trying to figure out how to pick a winner and at the end of the day not knowing what they're doing but 
let's go through this bracket. Let's go look at some of the matchups. Let's look at some of the teams and try to figure out if we can get some sort of, uh, you know, see through the weeds and get an idea of how this tournament's going to go. So in the West region, the number one seed is Gonzaga. They're the only team that is unbeaten going into this tournament. So they're 26 and 0. They got a pretty good seeding compared to some of the other one teams because if you look at the number two, the number three, and number four team, they've already beaten these teams earlier in the season and they've beaten them pretty handedly. You know, they've beaten Iowa 99 to 88. They already beat Kansas 102 to 90. And they beat Virginia 98 to 75. So even though these were games that happened prior to the new year, I think that Gonzaga can still feel confident that, you know, they have the the talent. And, you know, I think they have the confidence just built off of being undefeated going into this tournament that I think that they should be fine going through this region. You know, Gonzaga, I feel pretty confident, you know, picking them through the final four through to the final four however you know the fact the thing is that them being undefeated really kind of gives me pause for concern just because when you have when you have that undefeated record there's not just the pressure from the tournament you now have the pressure of keeping an undefeated record so that might be something that could be hanging over Gonzaga and cause them to possibly slip up you know it just takes one game to lose and be done you know they had a really tight game in their w in their conference championship against byu they were losing i think by like 12 points going into the half but they really turned it on and were able to you know finish it out in the second half you know they were able to do that against byu but you know only time will tell if they're going to be able to do that against some of the better teams in the tournament you know, look at number two iowa Apparently, their matchup against Grand Canyon is considered, you know, a tough matchup for a number two seed. I don't, you know, Grand Canyon University, you could tell me that, you know, Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner are playing for them because I didn't even know Grand Canyon even had a university. If you told me Grand Canyon University was a school, I would tell you it's probably some, like, online school. So, I personally think, just like with Iowa, I think they have that Luis Garza, like, I don't even know if that's his first name, but I know his last name's Garza, and I know he's a big man, and I know he's pretty good. So I know that Iowa has that. So I anticipate Iowa getting through the first round, but you know their next matchup between the winner of VCU and Oregon, that one should be tough. So I'm not 100% sure how Iowa's going to be doing getting through the bracket. Teams in uh, Kansas at three and Virginia at four, those guys are pretty interesting because they both had to – you know, not play in their conference tournament because they had COVID-19 issues and stuff. So I don't know if that's going to carry over into the actual tournament. You know, Virginia, they're playing Ohio and, you know, Ohio is going to be tough. And Kansas, they're playing uh, Eastern Washington, which, you know, that team is, you know, they've, from what I've read, they look like they're a pretty tough team. And, you know, one of the articles I was reading, I was saying that they're, as tough of the 14 seed as you can possibly get, you know, so Kansas and Virginia, even though they're two big names and they're two teams that are historically in the tournaments almost every year, I'm not a hundred percent confident picking them going deep into the tournament, or I'm not necessarily sure how far I'm going to pick them going in this region. Number five, Creighton. They're coming off getting their butts kicked by Georgetown in the big East final. So, you know, they had been looking pretty decent all season long, but I mean, coming off, you know, 
just a basically beat down at Georgetown. I don't know how their confidence is going to be coming into the tournament. You know, they're playing against up against Santa Barbara. So it's like, meanwhile, Creighton's coming off of getting their butts kicked by Georgetown, while Santa Barbara has won 18 of their last 19. So, you know, I think, you know, you know, 15 and 12 matchups, those are, you know, that's always a good slot to pick, you know, for the upset. You know, so Santa Barbara, you know, they're a team that, you know, you don't think of when you think of college basketball, but I think that they could potentially be an upset there. USC, they have this guy, Evan Mobley. He's a seven foot forward stud. He's predicted to be a lottery pick. So, you know, just having a guy like that, you know, over his last two games in the Pac 12 tournament, he got 26 points, nine rebounds, and I think something like five blocks. So, this guy's a stud. And, you know, you know, it's kind of like when you see a guy who's going to be a lottery pick, a lot of times when you see him in a college game, it'll make him look like a man against amongst boys. So having a player like that, I think, is important for USC. And I wouldn't be surprised for USC to get past the first two games and get into the second weekend. Oregon. They're a team that apparently is built with a bunch of experienced upperclassmen. They're good from the three-point, but they're playing VCU, and VCU is tough defensively, so I think we got a classic matchup of a good offense versus a good defense. You know, VCU, I remember, I think about 10 years ago, went on a big run. So, VCU, you know, whenever you see a team sometimes that goes on a big run, it just, like, sometimes it could just stick in your memory. So... I definitely want to look more into this matchup because it was definitely, you know, when I saw VCU in Oregon, it just, I circled that as a possible upset. So we'll see if that, my logic and VCU having a run before, if that will help into this 2021 tournament. Probably not, but we'll see. And then in the 8-9 matchup, you have Oklahoma and Missouri. And everything I'm reading about that guy is just a toss-up. I feel like that's how it is with eight, nine matchups. Almost every year, there's always at least like two or three of my eight, nine matchups that go wrong because, I mean, usually those guys are, it's going to be the most even matchup of any round one, you know, is the eight, nine matchup. So, you know, I think there it's just close your eyes, throw a dart, and whatever team your dart hits, that's who you should go with. All right, moving on to the South Bracket. Number one seed is Baylor. They were undefeated for a majority of the season, all the way up through February. Then it looks like they had a three-week COVID break where, you know, they didn't have games, and their two losses have happened that post-break. You know, in their conference championship in the Big or no, in the Big 12 semis against Oklahoma State, you know, they blew an eight-point lead. So that's something that they'll have to address is being able to close out during the finish. You know, reading about these guys, apparently they're pretty, like, blue-collar, hard-working team that puts a lot of pressure on teams throughout the game. So, you know, that's how they win. And we'll see, you know, if Baylor, you know, Baylor's another school. You know, I brought up in VCU how in the past they've done well in the tournament or had, had a run here and there. You know, Baylor's had some runs in the past as well. So we'll see if they're going to be able to replicate and run through this region 
I think this region's a little tougher than Gonzaga's region. You know, the two seed, you got Ohio State. You know, Ohio State made a nice run in the Big Ten Conference Championship. They knocked out the number one seed, Michigan, who's, you know, Michigan's one of the number one seeds in the other regions that I'll be talking about tomorrow. You know, Ohio State looked good, and they took Illinois, the one of the other one seeds from the, the other one seed that I'll be talking about tomorrow. They took them all the way to overtime, and Illinois took them overtime to beat them. So Ohio State, you know, they, you know they're a solid team. They've got a tough, tough matchup against Oral Roberts, and if they can somehow get past them, they got to play the winner of Florida and Virginia Tech. You know, Florida is a solid shooting team. They can hit threes when they have to. They're one of the best free throw teams. So, you know, Florida's tough, and Virginia Tech, you know, they're they're not the biggest slouches either. So, you know, I think Ohio State they definitely got a tough draw for being a number two seed because I think their first two matchups are potentially tough. Number three, you got Arkansas. They're playing to go up against Colgate. Both of these teams average over 80 points. Uh, I expect this one to be a high-scoring affair, which should be exciting. So I'll probably be definitely trying to take a look out for that matchup, Arkansas and Colgate. Number four, Purdue. They've got a dude, Trevion Williams. He's averaging 15.6 points per game and nine rebounds. They're very balanced. They're 23rd on offensive efficiency and 24th on defensive efficiency. So they're the only team in the country that's in the top 25 of both offensive and defensive efficiency. You know, so Purdue, that's like they're probably not going to blow you out on offense, but blow you out on defense. But they're also not going to, you know, they're not going to be bad. It's also they're not going to be bad on either end as well. So Purdue might be a tough out for anybody. You know, five Villanova. You know, Villanova is another big name when you hear, you know, college basketball and March Madness. You expect that team to be there. You know, they won the national title a few years back. But this is not the same Villanova team that you've seen in the past. They're without their star guard, Colin Gillespie. He tore his MCL earlier in the month. So, you know, since since he tore his MCL, Villanova has been 0-2. Meanwhile, the team that they're playing, Winthrop, is 23-1 and on the season. So that's a potential upset right there. You know, Winthrop and, and Villanova. So keep an eye on that one. You got Texas Tech versus Utah State. It's two very defensive-minded teams. So, you know, I expect that one to be low scoring. And then the number eight, North Carolina versus number nine, Wisconsin. You know, North Carolina's a team that's not good from three. And Wisconsin has lost five of their last six. But, you know, Wisconsin, keep in mind, they were in the Big Ten conference this year. And the Big Ten seemed to be by far the best conference in the country. So, you know, I think that one as well, like as I mentioned in the Western Conference, the the 8-9 matchup, it seems like it's just going to be a toss-up. So whoever you pick there, I don't think you're wrong. So, you know, there's there you go. That's my analysis of the West and Southern brackets. Hopefully it'll help you when you're filling out your brackets sometime this week. Again, I will be covering the East and Midwest. I think those are the brackets tomorrow. So, yeah, so I'll be covering the rest of the brackets tomorrow and filling out my bracket on Thursday. That's it for today's show. Until next time, I've been your host, Dean Ryan. This is the Cali Green Monster Show coming to you from the Tesla Studios in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. Have a good one, guys. Peace.